Tonight's reading uh, is from, taken from 1 Corinthians 2, found on 1773 in your few Bibles, and uh, I will start reading from verse 6 and go to the end of the chapter. So 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to the end. Wisdom from the Spirit. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Always a, a lovely chapter, uh, chapter 2, that phrase 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has comprehended the things God has prepared for those who love him. I'll preach on that again sometime, but not tonight. Well, that's a beautiful, beautiful passage. Uh, we're looking, uh, our, the, the, come back to here, in terms of the authority of Scripture, we come back to 1 Corinthians 2 because... In, in the Belgian Confession, it says that, that the Spirit testifies, the Holy Spirit testifies the authority of the Bible and that the Bible is true. And so, so that comes out here so clearly, uh, verse 13 and 14, uh, the Spirit uh, explaining spiritual realities when we read the Bible, verse 14 the person without the Spirit does not accept the things from God. So without the Spirit, people don't accept the Bible. And so, so just that reality of, of how we hold the Bible, the authority of the Bible, and how the Holy Spirit is the one who, who convinces and convicts us of that truth. Congregation of Jesus Christ, it's good to reflect together on the actual authority of the Bible. In our culture, there is definitely that challenge right up front all the time. What are you doing? Why do you believe the Bible? 
And it comes back to the biblical authority that, that gets confronted. We, as believers, take the Bible as the authority for us. We believe that it expresses the truth about reality. That we're not just evolved and living for a time and no purpose, no direction. No, we take the reality of the Bible. God created, God created us. There's an eternal purpose. Completely different understanding based on the Bible. And that Jesus is the Savior of a world lost in sin. You don't get that anywhere else. You don't pick that up. It's just completely only in the Bible And we take it as our authority. It's true. And we live and proclaim that truth of Jesus as Savior. Just to to connect, uh, to take something as an authority for you. So we say we take the Bible as our authority. So just thinking about that first for a minute... How does that work exactly? And, and one of the examples that I always... I used to have a lab coat. I don't have a lab coat. We had lab coats years ago. And then I was going to put on my lab coat. And if I stand here with a white lab coat on, and then I say to you authoritatively, they've done tests, scientific tests, and what you, uh, this works. This will improve your life and your health. And if I wear a lab coat and use the jargon, scientific tests have been done. And then you start to think, hey, that's authority, right? So what, what, do, we, what do we take as authority? Uh, there's still an element, though, that we decide. We have to decide. And, and without the Spirit, yeah, how do we decide what is authoritative? And there was a great example. I, wanna, I, I was reflecting on this just recently... In the news, an authoritative statement was made. The World Health Organization, big, big organization, scientists, the best, said, bacon will kill you. Did you hear that? You bet. Bacon is worse than cigarettes. Cancer-causing. So what did you do? You put your fork down on the plate and you backed away from your breakfast because there it was, the deadly bacon. Or maybe, maybe I thought too, maybe you were in line at Wendy's and you had the radio on and you heard it and the lady comes on and says, what would you like? And say, I'll have a baconator with no bacon. <laughs> Hold the bacon. Thinking, you're not going to do that. Right? What is your authority? The word comes down from on high. Bacon will kill you. You go to your freezer, you take the packages out, and you throw them in the garbage. Or not. You decide, right? What is authoritative for you? So there is that what will you take, what will you receive as authoritative? What will you act on when you are told something? Will you do what it says? And so so that, that sense of, okay, thinking about the Bible, 
Many people do not accept it as authority at all. Not for the world, not for their lives. They do not listen to it. They do not heed the Bible's warnings, and they do not guide their life by its direction. Belgian Confession Article 5 declares that the Bible is the ultimate authority. So everyone does really need to do what it says, that that's the message that we bring. To not do so is to have significant consequences immediately and eternally. People, people sometimes think, too, it has no consequences. You can or you can't. You can just take the Bible or leave it. It doesn't make any difference. But it has immediate and long-term consequences. So just to reflect together tonight again on, on how we need to keep to highlight the authority of the Bible in our lives and in our culture. And, and just to break it down, it's on those levels, personally, first of all. It begins personally, that we personally have the Bible centrally as the authority of our lives. And within the range of, yeah, what can you change? Well, you can change yourself. What do you hold as the central authority? So, so how, how does that work? Well, in, in our world, in sinful pride, and even in ourselves sometimes, we, we put ourselves, our superior reasoning above the Bible. Instead of having the Bible as the highest thing, we will, and others will say too, yeah, the, the Bible, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So it must be wrong and I'm right. Because only things that make sense to me are right and true. And so that on a personal level, so people who don't believe in the Bible, who reject the Bible, talk too about miracles. Uh, the Bible talks about miracles. Oh, I can't understand miracles. I mean, how do they happen? And, and that, I, don't, I just don't get it. Miracles just don't happen. So, so they must not be true and the Bible must not be true because I don't understand it. You find people saying too, this is a book written by uneducated people long, long ago. I am educated. I'm a modern person. This has no authority for me because it's old and out of date, pointless and useless. And so... The personal, oh, I am educated, I am knowledgeable, I am much superior to anything that could be found in this old book. So these, these are the types of threats placing our very, actually very limited understanding over against the truth of the Bible. You have to come back to the fact when... when when we honestly think about what we know, even as human beings, you don't hear about it a lot because, because society and people like to highlight that we know everything, we can do everything, we can put people on the moon, everything is, nothing is beyond us. But, but if, you, if you begin to just, just reflect to what do we really know, really, and, and even in, in terms of physical things, people go to doctor, doctor... Can't figure it out. Can't figure it out. We don't know. We don't understand what it is. 
And if you go to people who, who study the brain and how memory works and how thinking works and where, where stuff gets tucked away in your mind, they have no idea. But they won't admit that. They have no idea. They still know way more than the Bible. They still claim great and marvelous things when really, honestly, we are small. We are weak. Our understanding is very limited. And we can hardly sustain economic systems. That's why the economics goes off the rail all, all the time. We cannot even live peacefully together. In, in, in society, bigger, smaller situations, why doesn't problems just get resolved? We know how? No, it doesn't work. We just, we can't figure it out. We can't just fix things because we don't understand what's all going on. And so, so the sense of pride keeps us, keeps others from accepting the Bible as having any authority over them. The, the picture of us as Christians is to humbly say, even to those around us, that sometimes we don't understand. When those three little girls died out in, in, in Eckville, and people said to me, why? Why did God allow that? I, I don't know. There's lots I don't understand. There's, there is huge amounts of things I don't understand, even about the Bible. But I know by the Holy Spirit that the Bible is true. See? So, so your witness of the truth of the Bible is not an arrogant, proud thing. It's a humble admission that we are, by grace, the recipients of God's word and by the Spirit assured of its truth. And our witness to the culture is that though we can't explain everything and we don't understand everything at all, we believe it's true. And we will hold to that. And so that's on the personal level. On an on a institutional level, we also want to maintain the authority. And so, for example, uh, on the level of, of, like, governments have authority, right? The government has authority. So now the government's changed, and, and Trudeau gets in, and, and he changes things. And he has authority to do that. Boom, boom, things get changed. It's good. So now, yeah. Banks have authority, right? You go to the bank and, and you ask for a loan and they check and they say yes or no. They have authority and they do economic stuff. And schools have authority. They set curriculum. They, they give tests. The church has authority. We as a church are an institution. We are uh, influencing and, and, and our authority as church is based on the Bible. The church is, is authoritative as it speaks the truth of the Bible. So, so the extension of the truth of the Bible works itself out into the authority of the church to stand and to say to government, you need to do justice and you need to love mercy. Because that's what the Bible talks about in terms of government. They make sure justice is maintained and mercy for the needy, for the poor, the government works that out. And so the church continues to say you have to do that. You have to do that well. And for economics too. 
It's not just profit. It's for people and for education as well that God has a place. And the church speaks out in all these areas. And then especially the church speaks in a world that's dying. And they haven't figured that out yet. Oh, we're so smart. We know everything. Well, everybody keeps dying. It was on the news, hey? Guy was talking. It was a science show. I forget what it was. He said, he wasn't a Christian. He said, that's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) Everybody's still dying. And we can't fix that. Say, oh, well, right. So what's the problem, really? And the church steps up and says, this is the problem. Sin. And this is the solution. Salvation in Jesus Christ. And where do you get that? From the Bible. And is that true? Yeah, that's true. That's the truth. That's the answer. So we speak with authority in a dying, hopeless world, really. And we actively declare the hope of Jesus Christ with confidence, with joy. There's also, the, in, in general, the, the third area is... Where, let me ask you, have you seen, if you go in a library, I like to go in a library, uh, I, have to, I have to see again, I haven't checked in our library here. Do you get in the local library here? Where do they file the Bible? <laughs> Is it under? It's under fiction? Is it under religious? Maybe historical fiction? Maybe. Pardon? Reference book? Yeah. Where do they put the Bible? (laughs) You have to check. Okay, go to the library. Ask the person at the desk. Where can I find the Bible, right? (laughs) Where is it in here? And so within the range of of what is it? Yeah, does it have any? Is it fiction? Uh, Is it nonfiction? Is it history? Is it among the world religions? So it's just packed in there with the Hindus and Buddhists and New Age and everything. It's just kind of one of those weird things, yoga and Scientology and everything else. We would, we would say, yeah, the, the Bible isn't, it's, it's above all of that. It's, it's the one governing authority. It is over all the sections. It's not one, one among many. It's totally unique. If you had a, a section in the library, it would have its own section, and there would be one book there, Bible. That's, it's totally, totally unique, totally apart. It's the authority of all things. That's what the Belgian Confession is saying. It's, it's the only word of God. It's the holy word of God. It's the one book God wrote, and it's ours to receive the truth of who he is. So that continues to be uh, challenged in our culture, and we push back with the reality, the confession, like the Belgian Confession, that God's Word is the central truth, the only authority to live by. And so the Belgian Confession already years ago tried to express that in what we read, and it uses three terms. It says it regulates, it's foundational, and it confirms our faith. So, so just to 
see how it works itself out authoritatively. It regulates our our life. And, and this has almost a sense of, of like a sporting event. So if, if people want to play hockey, you have to play according to the regulations, the rules. If, if you are going to be part of a hockey league, a hockey team, playing hockey, then you can't just pick up the puck in your hand and take it and throw it in the net. That's, that's against the rules. There are rules. And if you are part of the game... You have to play by the rules. And so the Bible is a regulatory function. It sets out the rules as God created this world, as God defined the consequences of breaking the rules. In hockey, you get penalties or game misconducts. God God put down the regulations, the first rule, honor God. Honor him in your life. And you will be blessed. And then honor, love your neighbor. And so, so a summary of the regulatory uh, expression of the Bible. Honor God first. Honor him first. Well, that's, that's pretty big and, and pretty vague. But, but the Bible regulates us and how we do that. And just for example, one, one example of how if you don't do that, you run stuck. And it was nice. Yesterday, uh, I did a wedding in Tabor. Always fun. Uh, couples very nervous. Everything. You go through what, what marriage is and, and God's will for marriage. And, and there they are, husband and wife. And, and oh, it was just real fun. What if you toss that regulation which our society really has done. So now, now you're thinking of family. Family, marriage, family, very straightforward, designed by God to benefit men and women and especially children. That's gone. That regulation has been set aside, right? In our culture, so that you have all kinds of other arrangements. And all kinds of uncertainty. And all kinds of uncertainty about who does what and who is with what and which. And, and it, it becomes the, the basic family unit becomes completely discarded. And then society tries to continue. And the whole question of children and where do they belong and how are they supported all becomes very confusing. And so then, well, maybe just abort the children because it's just too confusing and nobody can be there to support and help and the whole family structure is broken down and there's no extended family. And so, so we even have it too where you, you, you talk to, to the social work community and, and, and if, if there's individuals in trouble, uh, do they have extended family to help? And often the answer is no. No. There is nobody. No relatives, no parents. No one is present to help. No one is going to help this person. The basic structure of society, family, extended family, gone. So there is all kinds of misery, sadness, ruin, and pain. So when you transgress the rule, the basic way that God ordained things to function in this world, then what you are experiencing is the misery of sin.
no purpose, no peace, no joy. And for most people now, if you really push them, if you really ask them, well, what is life about anyway? And, and then without thinking too long, the quick answer they'll give you is money. Life is about money. And that's such a sad answer, a sad slavery to sin, a false God, which is no life now and no eternal life. All hope is gone. So when you don't see the regulating work of God's word, then you have serious consequences. The Bible is also foundational, the solid foundation of our life. We can build our life on it with complete confidence. And that's such a gift to us. Say, for example, the Bible's word to us, do not covet what others have. If you, if you base your life like most do, apart from God's word. Christmas is coming again. <laughs> I want what you have. I want what you have. I need this. I want, I want, I want. Coveting is, is the driving force. I want something newer and better. I want different. I want what those people have. I am never satisfied. Do you know people like that? That's a... That's a driving force in their life. That's the foundational purpose. I talked to a guy at the wedding too. One of the, the he, just uh, he works in the oil. Uh, six, one month off, one month on. He's still going. He's in Saudi Arabia. He's got his place in Fernie. He's got his place in BC. He's going up north to hunt elk. It's he's not happy. He's not happy, and things are not, not good. With He has a, a lady he's with who's not his wife. He has a child who's, yeah, what, but yeah, it's the money. Say, so why do you do that? It's the money. It's unbelievable. Say, well, what is that? You can't build your life on that. Because with the money, of course, you can get the newer and better and everything, and he has everything. But it's a life built on sand. And it's filled with frustration. The foundation of God's word. Build your life on Jesus. Accept with thanks what God provides. That God will provide all you need, not all you want. People don't want to hear that. We can't, we can't get that through in our culture. The biblical truth, the authoritative word speaking into our lives every day. Do not covet. Be content. Count your blessings every day. Then you have joy and peace. And you also, by God's grace, have a home, a home in heaven prepared for you by Jesus himself. And we are sure of that. We have it on the authority of God's word. And it's by the Spirit I know it's true. Finally, the Bible confirms our faith over and over. It, it confirms our faith. When we do run stuck, we call on the Lord. He grants us healing, peace, hope, strength. If you grow in devotion and prayer to God, then you experience his love each day. 
as you serve as a Christian, encouraging and helping others in their lives, then, then you are encouraged and helped, just like the Bible says you will be. There is a confirming, as you live more and more according to God's word, you are affirmed in its truth and God's grace to you through it. And so even in the hard times, we can have joy and peace, trusting in our Lord. But even with, even with all of this, I, I wanted to make the argument for you this evening, and I hope to, personally and institutionally, and, and, and the library example, and to regulating, and, uh, and uh, also to the foundation is, is biblical and confirming our faith. And, and you can say all that to people. They will not believe you unless the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, the Spirit is, is at work. So we do continue to faithfully witness and we speak things that are beyond human wisdom so people will, will try to grasp it with their human wisdom and we try to reason with them and say, look, these are all the reasons why the Bible is true. And they, they won't take it. They won't accept it. This is what we speak uh, words taught and, and try to explain. Uh, but verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from God. So it's our prayer that, that our faithful witness by the Spirit will touch people's hearts. And we just want to continue to be faithful. We are, are sure in what, by God's grace, we believe by the Spirit in our hearts. And, and though we can't, explain everything we cannot grasp everything or explain every detail to people we can see the spirit at work and by the spirit the authority of the bible becomes the center of people's lives even as it is the center of our lives and in that great truth we can be confident let's pray together heavenly father we thank you for your word and we thank you too that it